Amen. I'm anxious to get into a time of prayer at the end of the service tonight and uh, uh, just spend some time. We have these cards out. Uh, I want you to know the ratio to you uh, reading a card a second time during this process uh, is pretty, uh, pretty minimal. Uh, even so, we want to remember them and other needs. Every day, uh, new prayer needs come up. Uh, for example, you can pray for the Peg Hoppy family. Peg, of course, uh, was a part of Victory Church. She went home to be the Lord. The uh, Peg Hoppy Memorial Service is going to be at the Highland Fairways Clubhouse. Highlands Fairways Clubhouse. The time is going to be 11 a.m. That is 11 a.m. tomorrow. So those of you who know her, knew her, uh, then certainly be a part of that. The rock on which I stand is the message title. Several years ago, actually August of 1997. How many of you are old enough to remember 1997? May I see your hand? That's good. 1997, August an event took place that shook the world, shook us here in America. Primarily it shook Europe uh, in an unbelievable way. And that was when uh, the newspaper headline was the one that announced Princess Diana's death. The headline was, The Death That Should Not Have Been. The Death That Should Not Have Been. You see, the intriguing thing about Diana, and I read a couple of the books uh, relating to her, studying the history, and enjoy reading that type of material. What made her stand out is she was an ordinary girl who rose to international prominence. Just, I mean, just naturally rose to that prominence. She took on the royal establishment. There were certain rules and regulations and protocol for her of course, uh, in that household, and she kind of took it on and said, you know, I appreciate the way you've always done it, but I, I may want to do it a little differently than what I'm doing now. And she paid, in the books that I read, she paid a tremendous price uh, to be able to do that. She uh, cared about ordinary people. It was just in her personality just to care about ordinary people because she knew what that was like. She exhibited common duties as a mother. She didn't push her first child, et cetera, over and say, well, I know that I have nanny after nanny after nanny and butlers and everything else. That's my child. I want to give, I want to give attention and care to my children. And she demonstrated uh, to people that people were more important than position that the hierarchy recognized position, but people were in fact more important. And so she took what she was born with, her skill set, and of course being chosen in that position, and she allowed her potential to rise to the forefront. And the people loved her. They were heartbroken, uh, saddened, grieved for years after that took place. And because she related to individuals, and it was all because she said, hey, I could become a part of the fabric and just go along with what's happening in the protocol here, or I could say, I'm still going to be me. And that caused the people to literally fall in love with her, and she reached her personal potential, going many times against the grain. Well, Peter was one of those individuals that maximized uh, his potential as well. 
He, of course, uh, was rough-hewn. You know that. He was opinionated. He was strong-willed, etc. But he realized his potential through his relationship with Jesus Christ. It wasn't easy. Jesus was patient with him. He let Peter be Peter. He recognized his personality, but through the process of test, you know that God was molding in the denial of knowing Jesus. Jesus could have stopped that. God could have stopped that. It was a process of allowing him to become the great man that we read about over in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. We know that in his writings in 1 Peter, and that's where we're going to draw from, the second chapter, and if you have your iPad, your iPhone, or some instrument that would show you the Scripture from 1 Peter, 2 chapter, verse number 4, or actually there is a book in the pew in front of you, and you'll recognize it because on the front it says, Holy Bible, okay? It's hard, hard cover there in case some of you may not remember that because you use a technological uh, instrument. And here is 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 4 through 10 that we're going to look at tonight. And I wanted to put it up there, and you can read along. It says, uh, as you come to him, talking about Jesus, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also. Like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, understand, as we hang just a minute here, Jesus is the precious stone, and you and I, chosen by God, are considered to be living stones and to have a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. Here now, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I'm going to try to make this come to life. Now, to you who believe, say amen. amen. This stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected, that's the Jewish people, the non-believers, builders, that's who they are, rejected, has become the capstone or cornerstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble, why? Why don't they accept the capstone, the cornerstone? Why don't they embrace the message why don't they allow their minds to change from old into the new as it relates to redemption? Is here's what it says. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Think about that. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had 
not receive mercy, but now you have received what? Mercy. Think about it. You have received mercy. How wonderful is that? The very beginning of chapter 2 in 1 Peter, this is what it says. Kind of sets us up. says, okay, pay attention. Therefore you, you rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted the Lord is good. So he says, okay, if you, of course, accept the invitation to become a stone, he says, in fact, then you're going to have to determine, all right, what does my life need to look like? God says, okay, you were just a stone, but there is a hand that reached out to you. You did not choose him, but rather he reached down and chose you. The understanding that it relates to that, he chose you. So we understand, number one, you have potential. Say that with me. You have potential. Make it personal. I have potential. Say it again. I have potential. How much potential do you have? It is unlimited. First Peter 2 verse 5 again. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In Jerusalem, in Israel, there is no temple and there are no priests today. April 25th of next year, or pardon me, March 25th of next year through April 5th, uh, we're going to go to Israel. A bunch of us are going. I'm going to take you to the Temple Mount where they say the temple is going to be built. Not just they, this book says it's going to be built. I'm going to show you that place so that you can understand it. But right now, there is no temple that would relate to God and God worship, and there are no priests. As we understand now, we take Peter sets the landscape for his message. And we read that in 1 Peter 2, the very three or four verses there, lay aside everything that would hinder you. And now Peter is saying, okay, I'm about to blast your mind with brand new knowledge. I want you to understand brand new knowledge. In the Old Testament, the temple was sacred. It was a stone structure for worship, habitation of the Spirit, and communion. It also was your exposure to God through the priest, a priesthood. There was a high priest. The priests were the only sufficient representatives for worship. Finally, no ordinary person was allowed to experience the holy place and presence. Peter said, now, that's the way that it is now, but that has changed. That has changed. Do you understand that? He asked them. They yet do not comprehend it. He continues to teach. You see, before you had no chance of ever reaching a potential as it relates to a relationship with God through a personal relationship. The closest you got to God was in the sacrifice that you put on the altar. That was it. 
The sacrifice you put on the altar, that pure sacrifice, that was the closest that you got. Once a year, the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies and experience what is considered to be the presence of Jehovah at that moment in time. You and I were the dead stones, Peter says, but all that has changed now. You now have potential in your body through God's creation of you. (coughs) You have that potential to be more than just a stone on the stone pile. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 3, 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Here is the majestic part of that. You are now, by virtue of redemption, you now are the priest. You are the priest prepared to worship personally. You, like the high priest who was only allowed once a year, can now walk into one-on-one, just like you are, and be the priest that carries the worship, that carries the presence, that carries the power, that carries the anointing into the mighty presence of God. And the devil will always downplay the value of who you are. He will always cause you to look at your weaknesses, your (coughs) fallacies, always cause you to look in a way that Well, I'm not really worthy, I'm not this, and we understand humility. But he said, when you became one of the builder's stones, your whole potential of your life actually changed. You now are recognized as the chosen of God. The chosen of God. Here's what Peter's impacting. He says, understand, when you grasp the fact that the temple over there is not the same value as you when Jesus Christ came into your life. That temple is a designated place of worship, but the Spirit of God resides in the builders or the people of God. Somebody say amen. He says when you comprehend that, Then you are reminded at the very beginning of 1 Peter, the second chapter, now you have to start living like you are a priest. You're living like you carry the responsibility of the Spirit of the Lord. So Peter says, here's what you do. You set as a priority to draw near to God. God says, here I am. You come toward me, I promise you, I'll come toward you. He says, present yourself to God as a living, lively stone. Present yourself. Present yourself as a worthy building stone and see yourself as a stone of beauty and great potential. 
It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter how tall or short you are. It doesn't matter how deep and wide you are, how thin you are, how crooked your nose is. It does not matter to God. What matters to God is you are a chosen vessel that God chose to endow His Spirit into your life. And He said, now, you are the builder that carries the vessel of who God is. Why shouldn't the enemy do everything that he could to keep us away from first coming to the realization of who we are in Christ Jesus? Peter did not want us to view our relationship as cold or abstract or lifeless. He wanted us to be alive and full of God's beauty and be passionate and active in his power. And then the writer in Hebrews let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He's saying, as my child, as the royal priesthood, as the chosen, you come to me and I'll see that your need as it arises, will be met. He's saying that as a Christian, we are building a church, an individual church and in who you are, a church here, that represents the beauty of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ, the holiness, holiness of Christ, and the evangelistic zeal of Christ. You are the single representative of who Jesus is in the lives of those that you live with and work with. And our talents and abilities are gifts to us from the Creator of all things. So how are you doing with that? How are you living that kind of life as a royal priesthood? How are you living to know that, hey, I didn't choose, but He chose me first and gave me the opportunity to have an option. Yes, I do choose you. No, I don't choose you. Well, reaching your potential is this. It's your choice. We find that in 1 Peter 2, verse number 7. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. For those of you that were simply able, humbly able, by faith to believe Jesus Christ is the risen Lord and the risen Savior. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ died for my sins. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of my faith. I believe that. But for those of you who could not get your head wrapped around it and you could never really grip and make a decision that sticks... He says, you are believing a lie. You're just believing a lie. Peter shares the ability to enjoy the potential that we have in Jesus Christ. And he states that some of you will reach your potential spiritually. But he says, those who choose to exercise that potential, you'll not be confounded. That's in verse 6. You won't be confused about it. Once it sticks in there and you believe it, you'll understand supernatural understanding. 
Isaiah described the subtle eye of disillusioned believers. And here it is. Isaiah 28, verse number 14, and this is what he, he says. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, you boast. We have entered into a covenant with what? With death. With the grave we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us. For we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. He says, when you do that, when you believe a lie, when you believe there is another way, when you believe that as Oprah said in a broadcast I saw recently, there are many ways to God. There are many paths to God. Listen carefully. All it takes is someone with recognition, with influence, and favor with a population to say something like that, and some person who has yet to really become immersed in biblical truth, they believe that. Here's what this book says, which was far more important than any earthly person could ever say, that there is only one way to heaven, one way to God. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and no other way will get you eternally in heaven. That's it. But unless we, the church, unless we, the royal priesthood, stand up and declare by faith and humility, here's what will happen. Unbelieving darkness will be rampant until someone shines the flashlight in the darkness and say, no darkness, no more. This is the light of what the Bible, you have that responsibility where you work. If there are people that are lost, don't you dare spend a day of your life and let it go by that you don't let that light shine. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to push. I don't want to push really. You're not pushing religion. You are pushing something that is the only redeemable way they will go to heaven instead of going to hell. And it is your responsibility, my friend. They should know without of a doubt. This is what the Bible says. A royal priesthood. When you believe who you are, royal priesthood, give birth to royal priesthood. We understand that. He understands in Isaiah, and he said, that is the major challenge. Peter says there will be those who try to build life without the chief cornerstone. How many people like that do you know? They will build their life, and many from the side of the naked eye, it looked like they made it. They've done real well. Because of that, their life will be void of true joy and commitment. So how do you, can you buy joy? They think they can. Your life will be filled with frustration. Your life will be filled with false hope, and sometimes you're blind to it. It'll be filled with nervous tension. It'll be ruled with desires not reflective of God's presence. And he said, that are those are the ones that have believed the lie. Peter declares that they stumble because they are disobedient to God's Word and His truth. Listen, friend, there's only one way you're going to be able to enjoy 
total satisfaction without you getting in your way all the time. And it's to totally lean and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody else, no other thing. The Scripture doesn't mean that they are radically rebellious, these who choose not to believe, who believe a lie. They're not radically necessarily rebellious, but he said sometimes, many times, they're just quietly disobedient. Just leave me alone. Let me live this way and don't bother me. Just quietly disobedient. They simply choose not to obey. Here's how it works. One decision at a time. Just one after another. And pretty soon, one after another builds up. They never reach the potential in Christ. Here's why. Because he said, unless you receive Jesus, you're not fit for use. You are a, you would call it in the watermelon world, a call. In the fruit cantaloupe world, a call. You're not fit for use. Why? Because the temple of God is holy and powerful. He said, you will never read it. The people who stumble when it's time to choose God. Here's what Proverbs 1, 7 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Of what? Of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Isaiah again, 513. Therefore, my people, say my people, my people, will go into exile for lack of understanding. Their men of rank will die of hunger, and their masses will be parched with thirst. Therefore, the grave enlarges its appetite and opens its mouth without limit. Into it will descend their nobles and their masses with all their brawlers and relevers. Here, listen carefully. You have heard preachers say, and hell has to be expanded. This is the scripture that supports that statement. That so many, many people who were created to serve God, honor God, just chose not to hear and not to believe and not to obey. And this says, and the mouths of hell will get bigger. Unless we maximize our potential as an individual believer, there are many people you could name right now that you're related to, that you work with, that you already have a relationship that unless somebody begins to build relationship to nurture them toward God, they won't go to heaven. It won't be doing it accidentally. Finally, maximum potential mirrors its creator. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, 
that you may declare the praises of him, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Peter then turns his thoughts to the precious stones of beauty. That's who you are. In that verse, he reminds us that we were nothing with no hope before, that we were without mercy with no grace whatsoever. But when Jesus reached down and touched us, we changed. And instead of being just a pile of stones with no future and no purpose, Jesus reached down with his blood. This is, here's my hand. I choose you. Do you choose me? And the minute that you humble yourself, he says, now residing in you is a life-changing power that is a light into the world of darkness. It is salt, it is light, and it's me, Jesus. He has declared that we are chosen, spiritual, selected, and then he says peculiar. But it's not peculiar in a weird way. It's peculiar in a way if you study deep on that word. He says when you are living a life that is holy and you practice your Christian walk, and because of what you believe, the Bible, you will be swimming upstream and the world will not understand why you do what you do. And to the world, you're peculiar because you show up for church. Because church and Jesus is a priority of your family. That you don't get lost in the menagerie and the routine of what an unbeliever does. They know who you are. And that when you talk about tithing, surely you are peculiar. And you talk about witnessing, you are peculiar to an unbelieving world. And he said, that's okay because our Savior, Jesus, was certainly peculiar to an unbelieving world. He called us out of the darkness and out of the rank and file to set us on display with his light and say, you are the light of the world. Turn to your neighbor and say that. You are the light of the world. So every day we reflect this. We're studying carefully. Hopefully you'll study this later when you get home. The extreme beauty of Christ, the body of perfect proportion and ability, the joy of a confident priest, the peace that is absent of fear, the exuberant positive knowledge of what it means to be saved, and the pure resolve of a personal relationship with God as his child. If you are a professing Christian, he's saying, that's your marching order. Never forget your value, your importance. Never forget what resides in you. Never forget the responsibility you have back to God to tell this world who often sits in blindness and do not know the danger. Do not know the danger of what it means to die without God. 
May God help us. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you. In this room and those listening online right now, we praise your name. We are the praisers. We are the worshipers. We are the priesthood. We are the church. We are all of those things. I pray you would help us all, God, become better followers. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're going to ask everyone just to repeat this prayer, ask you to stand to your feet if you don't mind. Those of you listening online, asking you to repeat this prayer together. Here we go. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me my pride. And help me live for you. And help me live for you. I have not done, have not done all, the things all the things that I need to do. Need to but, do. Tonight, but tonight, I'm going to be a better follower. I'm going to trust you. It's not going to be my agenda. It's not going to be my will. And for that, Father, I will suffer. But I will not be deterred from my commitment to you. I will stand strong in order to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we have to pray. What you'll find on these cards, many of those cards will have family members that are lost. Pray for them because it's the heart's cry. So we're going to take 10 minutes here, 12 minutes, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'll call you at the end and we'll give the benediction. So you say, well, what do we have to do? Just so you know, we have classes and we have kids programs that they end at 745 at 745 so we know if you go over there you're just going to stand around you know so we have the time to do it what do you say we change somebody's life by offering prayer amen come you can kneel you can walk you can sit you can uh, just uh, whatever you want to do we just want to pray